Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa, And everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So, let's get started. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes, starting off on our new study. We're in chapter 1. We'll be starting at verse 5 and, and going down to verse 14. And here we are with King Solomon, who claims uh, to be, um, the word Ecclesiastes means preacher, teacher, philosopher, um, someone who's the collector or bringing people together, the assembler. He's bringing people together to give them instruction. He's the son of David, king of Jerusalem. That's how he is defining himself. And he's, he's, uh, he has uh, um, created this very big uh, exposition on understanding all knowledge. He's trying to look at wisdom from man's perspective all of the wisdom that he can look at in the natural world. And remember, as he already has written the book of Proverbs, and he said true wisdom begins with fear of uh, God, fear of the Lord. And of course, he's talking about uh, not being scared of God, but he's saying being fearful of just how great he is and how bad we are. And uh, that, and of course, he has awesome power, but this awesome God loves us so much. But but he's saying, moreover, he was saying in the Proverbs that, that it's the fear of God to understand how lowly we are and to be fearful of what it would be like to be away from God, how terrible, how terrifying that would be for us, okay? Because being away from God, being outside, being not reconciled to God, again, puts us up against His justice and His wrath, but also just we are so bad in our sin just to understand that. So he's trying to, he's already taken a look at wisdom from God's perspective. The only source of wisdom that we can have in our foolish nature and our sinful nature would be to start with how bad we are so that we know how much we need everything that God can teach us. And with that proper perspective, we know how needy we are to understand God's wisdom, you know, and not our wisdom. But now he's taking another look at wisdom. He's now taking a look at wisdom from the standpoint of of uh, not having that fear of God, not having that uh, 
feeling that you have to depend on things. He's he's looking at um, wisdom just from man's perspective here. Okay, so you could sort of say this is almost like a college lecture. Let's look and see what wisdom from man will get you. Let's look and see what wisdom of the earth. Everything that man's been able to come up with. This is going to be his collective wisdom. Okay, so we're looking at we're we're looking at everything man can do, and when you think about it, when you when you think about uh, our colleges, our universities, our educational systems, you have so many people putting so much um, time and effort and credibility, almost faith, if you will. In the educational systems, the professors walk around like they're, you know, you know, real big egos. They they have uh, they puff themselves up a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of humility sometimes in the classroom because someone who's teaching other people is sort of expecting adulation, is expecting people to have respect for them because they supposedly know a lot of things. Okay, and so. Um, King Solomon was saying, uh, you know, if you're a teacher, you should regard yourself really lowly. You know, of course, that was getting into God's wisdom because we are so um, humble before God. But looking at wisdom from man's perspective, there's no humility in man's perspective. And this is one of the things that McGee was talking about today was the... um, the fact that atheists and the humanists really have no humility in their philosophies. They're, um, the philosophy that man's wisdom depends on man's goodness and man is now the sort of the highest evolved state in nature. And from the mind of man have come all of these things. And it just it, it makes it seem like man has accomplished so much. And of course, Solomon is directly rejecting that principle that man's come up with anything really new to start with. So he's taking a look at the natural world. All in the natural world is vanity, and so um, we're um, we'll be putting it in five. But just before it, he's ta- you know he's talking about generations come and generations go. The earth is really the only thing that remains forever. And uh, so, man, out of all, all all creation that you know that is is present here, from the earth to the sun to the moon to the stars, all the different parts of the earth, uh, the earth is really the only th- the creation is really the only thing that that um, is permanent uh, in this sense. Man is the thing that's temporary. So again, back to the back to the humanistic uh, viewpoint that mankind has made these great achievements, and Solomon starts from the premise that mankind really is the only thing that is temporary. There's nothing that man makes that lasts. And what he does make just changes and does the same thing over and over, as we'll see. So let's start off with verse 5. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. In other words, he's talking that... The sun is rising and falling, and what he's doing here is he's describing sort of this rotational pattern of the Earth's rotation. 
it just rises and falls and comes right back where it's starting with. Now, he's not getting into the Earth's rotation, but he's just describing it. A very monotonous uh, existence uh, for the Earth itself is just spinning around and around. The natural world. The natural world is just going round and round and round. So, without God in the world... Without God's presence in the world, God's presence in the world is the only thing that gives direction. It gives direction, it gives clarity, and it gives a sense of purpose for the world. The purpose is to glorify God. The purpose is that God is here to save us in the form of Jesus Christ. The Bible has this hope that nothing in the natural world matches. The, the Bible has love. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit, as we've been talking about fruits of the Spirit. I believe that was Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And the first fruit of the Spirit is love, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Okay, that whosoever believes shall not shall have eternal life. So, God loves us. God loves man. And it's God's love in the world that gives the world something other than this monotonous uh, cycle. Okay? So, the earth, the world itself is just spinning around. It has nothing to do. Sun goes up, sun goes down, right back to where it started. And verse 6, the wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its currents, and on its circuits, the wind returns. So the wind itself is going round and round. So he's talking about, he's describing the rotation of the earth. Okay, But now he's talking about wind masses and wind fronts. And it isn't it amazing that even in this time, the as he's describing the wind currents, blowing to the south and going around up to the north and going around again. When you look at the charts of wind currents, and if you have a computer, all you have to do is Google it or DuckDuckGo it or you know do some type of search engine like Bing or, or Google or DuckDuckGo, whatever you do, search for it and look in the images, and you'll see... The tropical air currents, the subtropical high currents, the subtropical, or excuse me, the subpolar uh, low currents. The polar air comes down into tropical air. The tropical air along the equator rises again, and it goes up, and then it, it, it goes northwards again back, and it comes to the polar air currents. And, of course, the polar air currents push it back down to the equator. There, it's one big circle. The wind starts from the north and the polar currents and blows southward, and then it gets to the equator where there, it's warmer there, and then it, the air uh, masses elevate even higher and then circular, circulate back to the, to the northern part of the earth, the polar part. That's wind currents. And then the seas, all the sea, all this, verse 7, all Streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. It's a circular pattern to the ocean currents. And when you look at, at chart maps that describe ocean currents, it's amazing. You've got equatorial ocean currents, northern and southern equatorial er, uh, currents, 
Gulf Stream, Atlantic Streams. There's the North Atlantic Gyre. There's the North Pacific Gyre, the South Pacific Gyre, the South Atlantic Gyre. These are, these are circular patterns to the ocean currents. And they're warm currents and cold currents. So why does the wind do this? And why does the, um, why does the um, uh, ocean currents do this? Well, that's because we know now there's something called the Coriolis effect. The Coriolis effect is um, due to the Earth's rotation, and this effect causes the wind and the ocean currents to move in circular paths rather than straight lines. So because of the Earth's rotation, it causes downward currents and upward currents from the south and downward currents from the north along the seas. Okay, so all of these currents, all of these circular currents from the wind to the ocean currents is due to the earth rotating. And the earth rotating is this circular uh, current that the earth itself spins on. And that causes the perception of the sun to rise and fall and rise and fall. He's describing the whole thing right here. This is, you know, it really is amazing. McGee was talking that several scientists, you know, were, were just commenting on this. And even this is validated by science. It's not disproved by science. It just describes these currents in a way, um, in a beautiful way that anybody can understand. Verse 8, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. All things are full of weariness. He's talking about all things have their own cycle. All things start and stop, and then start and then stop. They just go round and round. All things go round and round. He's just talked about all the generations starting and stopping. He's talking about the sun rising and falling, and he's describing the earth's rotation. He's talking about the cycles of the wind and the cycles of the stream. And he's saying all things have these life cycles, and man cannot utter it because man doesn't perceive it. But there's a sort of a purposelessness in the in the natural world. There's this monotony in the natural world. Without God, there's this purposelessness. The never-ending march of human generations are just as purposeless as the repetitive cycles in the natural world. The eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. Man can't wait to see new stuff or see things or hear stuff. And then man goes away. And then another generation of man comes. Oh, look at the beautiful stars under the sky. And they'll marvel at it for a generation. And then another generation is going to come along. Okay? So generation after generation is going to going to look up and never be satisfied at looking at the moon or looking at the sunsets. It's just another generation. And verse 9, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. 
So what's he saying? The things that have been in the past are the same kind of things that are going to happen today or in the future. And the things that has been done are what's going to be done again over and over and over. One generation comes along and thinks they're something special. Well, that's already been done. The generation that comes after us is going to think they're the special ones. Something comes along and somebody gets a wild idea about doing something a different way. And thing is, is that a generation ago, somebody else had that same idea. Somebody else comes along and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to make something Make something a different uh, way. We're gonna we're gonna do different politics. We're gonna do. Di- I'm just gonna, you know, um, have a new idea. Somebody's already thought about that in a previous generation. There's nothing new. And then you say, well, you know, let's jump down to ten, and we'll get in. There, people will say, well, you know. Well, what about a new invention, you know, something that nobody's thought of? What about the car? What about the, the, the rocket ships and the satellites? What about uh, new, um, new uh, breakthroughs in medicine, new, uh, new drugs in medicine? What about computers? What about all these new things? You know, doesn't that contradict? Because in verse 10 it says, Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new. It is already, it has been already in the ages before us. So you say, well, you know, wait a minute, doesn't that contradict? Because there's new stuff all the time. The Bible's an old book and it's out of date. Well, not really, because first off, man is the same. Okay? What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. First off, man is the same person. In his little brain, he may think he's something new. And in his little brain, he may think he has new wisdom. But he doesn't have new wisdom because God's wisdom is the only wisdom. So man's folly is always there. Man's folly that he's something important or he's coming up with something new is always going to be there generation after generation. It's what's so amazing to see, you know, new politics today, which is really rehashed old politics. It's all the same stuff. And then you'll get down to verse 10 and and you'll say, well, look, there's new inventions all the time. Isn't that different? But the point here is, is that in the natural world, all these inventions are the same elements, the same molecules, the same metals, the same chemicals. They're just rearranged in different ways. You know, um, a steel plastic, all these new things, they're just rearranged elements. They're just new forms of the same thing. They're already here. And so he's talking, you know, and I think in in God's wisdom, to God, all of these things are, have already been here. Oh, well, you may say, well, you know what? Look at, look at a book. Look at this book. It's beautiful. It's printed. It's got pictures. Well, it's just a rearrangement of carbon atoms, right? And after a while, the carbon atoms disintegrate, they decay, and then it becomes dust again. Everything that man's made is going to eventually decay and decay right back down to the elements that, that they were composed of, right? 
all the clothes. A computer. A computer is just made of plastics and metals rearranged. Eventually, that will decay. There's nothing new. It's nothing new under the sun. What about the drugs? The drugs are just rearrangements in chemical atomic structures. It's the same the same elements are still here. They're just in different different forms. And even like oh, what about the scientists? They make new elements. Well, those elements are still composed of electrons and atoms. They're the same. They're the same elements that God made to start with. So all of these things are still nothing new. That Man hasn't come up and made something new that God hasn't already made. Okay? And so, verse 11, There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. And basically he's saying all of these cycles are in in nature are the same cycles in man's lives in the generations of people. There'll be generations of people that are going to come and go. And the newer generations of people won't remember the older generations of people. So man sort of lives this purposeless life. He has a purpose while he's alive, but he'll die, and all of the sum totals of his life won't even be remembered. Just like the wind. It blows, and you see it, and then it goes on its way, and it's got its own cycle. And just like the the ocean currents, you're going to feel the effect of the ocean current, and then it goes away. You forgot that ocean current because there's another ocean current coming at you. You go down to the beach and you look at the ocean waves. You know, you could sit there all afternoon. And when you leave, did you remember the first wave? What it looked like? or No, because it's already gone. The impact of that ocean wave is already gone. And he's saying that... Man's lives, people's lives are as as purposeless as the elements in the natural world. Won't be remembered. That kind of blows away the sort of the educational elite, you know, (laughs) in some of our colleges that puff up man's accomplishments. There's nothing that man accomplishes that's going to be remembered Man's lives are, are, are going to be gone and generations forget them. In um, verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and search out wisdom all that is done under heaven. And it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man. To be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold all is vanity. A striving after wind. So the natural world all is vanity. And now he's talking about in verse 12. 
He starts off with the vanity of wisdom, the vanity of education. And so he's saying educational pursuits itself don't bring happiness. There's a certain vanity in just trying to pursue wisdom. If you make your life's work trying to pursue higher education, that that's a that's a, a nice goal for you, but he's telling you you won't find happiness in the pursuit of education. You can be a doctor, you can be uh, a have a doctorate of philosophy, you can have a doctorate of higher education, you can have all kind of studies and accomplishments and be this you know respected professor. But look it's the suicide rates in these groups. They're among the highest. The most accomplished people in the world in different different um uh, educational formats are have the, among the highest problems, the highest divorce rates, and the highest suicide rates of all kinds of people are the ones who are the most wealthy and the most accomplished. So the van, there is a certain vanity of of um, pursuit of education, and we'll be getting into that more in our study tomorrow. But today's study is the vanity in the natural world. The study of the natural world. Putting your faith in just how beautiful nature is and how beautiful the earth is and how beautiful things are. There's vanity in that because that doesn't last. And inventions don't last. And eventually an invention is outdated or eventually somebody else Invent something better. Or eventually something's taken for granted. Or eventually whatever that invention is will fall apart and break down. Or from the standpoint of the invention itself, the invention itself is nothing new. It's just a rearrangement of things that are here already. So, I hope this was helpful, uh, a very, very uh, interesting perspective into um, this, uh, this wisdom, this uh, look at wisdom without the presence of God. And so, how foolish, how, how, what vanity it is, and of course the word vanity is used over and over, and this vanity uh, uh, translates from a word uh, meaning vapor or a mist or something extremely temporary. So I hope this is helpful for me to all of you. God bless you. I'll see you next time. Keep your hearts focused on Christ. And now I'll turn the podcast over to Matali. Matali, can't wait to hear what you have to say with this. Take care and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 5 through to verse 14. And in today's teaching, God answers to humanism. So today's teaching looks at God's answer to humanism. So verse 5 through to 7, um, this is the revelation that Solomon made, um, you know, in his study of science and um, he, he, he learned quite a great, you know, a great deal. And, um, and, um, you know, 
whatever Solomon was revealing, this was like, um, you know, thousands of years ago. And, you know, these are the basic things of science today. So um, verse 5 to 7 reads, The sun also rises and goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full, to the place from which the rivers come. There they return again. So the, the, these are the basic concepts of, of, um, of science. And this was thousands of years ago that Solomon wrote this, and um, he studied science. So science was there. Um, the earth was there. Whatever is there today has always been there. Um, there's been no new discoveries. You know, the stage setting may be different, but whatever is now has always been there. So um, Solomon made four statements concerning the law of nature. Um, and one of um, and these statements are, the sun goes down, and um, the sun rises and also goes down. So, you know, there's a sunset and the sunrise. And then um, the wind goes, um, you know, towards the south and returns to the north. The wind rolls about continually and it comes back again in the same circuit. The rivers run, um, you know, into the seas, but the seas don't get, don't get um, you know, flooded. Um, you know, these are the basic concepts of science, like the, the river, uh, the river's not getting full. So this was the concept of, um, you know, evaporation and condensation and condensation. So, um, you know, as human beings, we can depend on the sun going up and down, you know, every day the sun rises, we wake up with the expectation that, oh, Hey, the sun will actually have risen. Um, because, you know, these are the, you know, the, just the forces and the laws of nature. So, um, and, you know, we know today that, you know, the sun will go up and down because of the rotation of the earth. And this was just basic science. And Solomon, a thousand years ago, knew about this. The wisest man in the Bible knew about this. Um, you know, the rivers run into the sea. That's the law of evaporation. Um, and how did Solomon know this? Because he was wise. So, you know, science today is not a new thing. Um, science has always been there. Um, Solomon gave the basic concept of science and, um, and, you know, in as much as, um, you know, us human beings like to take credit for, you know, all the education, all the studies we did back at school and, oh, we like to take the credit as in, oh, hey, we discovered evaporation and condensation. We discovered, um, you know, the earth's rotation. Uh, you did not discover it. You and I did not discover it. It has always been there. Uh, because God created it to be so. It was even written a thousand plus years ago when, 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 um, when Solomon um, was writing the book of Ecclesiastes. He knew the concept of rotation. He knew the concept of evaporation and condensation. So um, the, the basic laws and principles of, of, of science... Um, were already known back then um, when this book was actually being written. How did Solomon know this? It's wisdom from God. Solomon was the wisest man on earth. So verse 8 goes on to read, um, All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So, you know, um, 
today, you know, here's an example. You may see so many things, watch so many things. You may spend like an entire week, an entire year just sitting and watching TV. Um, it's not that your eyes are going to be filled or your ears are going to be filled up. Um, you know, people see so much and hear so much, but they cannot be filled, you know, in the age of TV today, you know, men spend so much time listening and, 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 and learning and taking in, um, for lack of a better term, crap and garbage, um, instead of, um, you know, taking in, uh, you know, God's wisdom and God's knowledge. Um, and how does this help? Uh, how does, you know, the intake of all the crap and garbage that we take in, how does it, it actually help us today? Um, you know, man cannot, um, you know, exhaust the, the exploration of the universe today. There is so much to learn. You know, um, people have come and gone. You know, we get um, Thomas Edison. He spent all his life trying to discover the light bulb. And, um, you know... He's come and he's gone, and um, he did not explore the entire uh, universe as it is. There is so much, so much that man cannot comprehend. Um, you know, the physical universe is too big for man to actually um, absorb all of it in. Um, you know, man found these things even before man was created. Um, you know, science, evaporation, rotation, earth rotation, earth tilting, you know, all these things, they were there. They actually existed. Man only comes here and just learns not even a fraction of, you know, um, God's mighty universe. So instead of spending time trying to um, discover and learn and, you know, wasting all our focus and energy on things that actually don't matter, things that will not give us eternal life. Why not spend, you know, most of our precious time, you know, studying the word of God and getting to know God and, um, you know, preparing our lives for um, the future. You know, the way we prepare ourselves with, um, you know, put up a trust fund, put up pension schemes and all these things. What about in the afterlife? What was our purpose here on earth when we lived? What did we spend our time on? What did we spend our effort and energy on? So uh, verse 9 goes on to read, that which has, has, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. So under the sun, in this particular case, uh, Solomon is talking about here on earth. So, um, you know, there is no new thing under the sun. You know, we may have new gadgets today, but man is the same. You know, man is the same. Same nature, same person. You know, um, it's just a different setup, but it's the same thing. The sun will rise today and will set tomorrow. Oh, the sun will rise and set and man will still be the same. So verse 10 goes on to read, um, there, is there anything of which it may be said? See, this is new. Um, it has already been in ancient times before us. So Solomon was writing, um, you know, Solomon, he he experienced it all under the sun. Um, he was, it was an experiment he was doing in life, like, you know, away from God. But he came to the realization that, you know, there is nothing new under the sun. In ancient times, it was there. Solomon wrote, um, the sun rises and it goes down. And um, this has been happening before human beings were here on earth and this is still happening now there is nothing new under the sun today they may invent like a nice little tech savvy gadget but 
um, here on earth, it's the same. Um, it's still, you know, it's, 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 it's still the same thing. Um, the setup may be different. The gadget may be new and all, but there is nothing new that is here um, um, under the sun. Like Pastor J.V. McGee, Dr. J.V. McGee put it, you know, they invented the computer. Well, guess what? God gave us a computer brain that can actually even perform more things than actually a computer gadgets can actually do. So um, there's only one thing that's new under the sun, and that's the new birth, the new birth of Christ Jesus. So um, verse 11 goes on to read, um, There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after so solomon's conclusion here was you know no matter how great a man you were here on earth what you discovered and all um people will forget you eventually because there's nothing new under the sun other people will come on and be great inventors and also um and you know they will come and go um because we are here temporarily the earth is uh stable and it's it's permanent but we are only passing phases here so solomon concluded that man tries everything to remain popular but they come to pass so um you know time is fleeting man tries everything in the world to make himself um you know known before the public but people will forget you you will die and um you know poof and you know, time is fleeting and everyone will move on and discover something new or something that we think is new and, you know, a new gadget and all. So verse 12 and 13 reads, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. This is him, Solomon, the preacher. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome, this burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. So um, Solomon spent a lot of time studying philosophy. Um, man doesn't know much about philosophy and wisdom. Um, so Solomon is, is, is um, you know, he was given wisdom by God. And um, today man knows very little about wisdom and philosophy because we focus on the wrong things um, you know, in many instances and so many times. So um, verse 14 goes on to read, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for wind. So, um, you know, don't spend your time. Scripture is saying don't spend your time making experiments and studying. Um, you know, Solomon is saying it's just a waste of time. You know, you're grasping for nothing. You know, at the end of your life, you know, at the end of your race, when you reach the end game here on earth, what would you have achieved? You'd have been grasping for air, grasping for nothing. So, um, you know, man by revelation can find God and not by, um, you know, all the worldly discoveries and experiments. We don't have to do all these experiments. There is a word of God right here, the Bible um, you know, we don't have to try out all these experiments and, and say, oh, hey, um, you know, uh, let's, tr let's try and make an experiment about the evolution of man, you know, the Big Bang Theory, you know, all these um, experiments that man wants to test out and all just because they feel they will have more wisdom than the Word of God is right here. 
um, you know, the stage setting may just be different from one generation to the other, but there is nothing new under the sun. We may be in a computer age, in a tech age, but there is nothing new under the sun, the sun, the, the, under the sun here on earth. Uh, the grass will grow, the trees will grow, the, you know, sun will rise and set and, um, you know, everything will remain the same. So let's not try and spend our time on vanity, on trying to um, be popular here on earth. Time is fleeting. Um, you will discover, you know, um, a few gadgets here and there, but once you're gone, that's it. You are gone. So, um, you know, let us seek, seek satisfaction in wisdom and philosophy. Let us not try out experiments in things um, that, you know, that don't, you know, that, that don't carry purpose in our lives. Let us, as children of God, focus on um, meaningful and purposeful things. This is the word of God. And let us attain knowledge and wisdom through the word of God. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening. Have a good day and bye-bye.